All right, welcome to the A Game Podcast. Today's episode is with Bryce McKinley. He is known as Coach Sharpen from REI Results. We're going to jump into a bunch of different things. We talk about his background. He's got a crazy story, just, uh, you know, addiction, homelessness, personal tragedy. It's a rough one with a happy ending, but uh, it's really, I think, uh, important to not only see how things can go sour, because I know there's a lot of people that are having some tough times today with everything going on with the pandemic, whether it's emotionally, financially, physically, whatever it is, you know, whatever you're going through. I, I love stories like this because to see that somebody could be so down and out and deal with some of the major things that he's going to talk about in this that are just rough, I'd to see them come on top. And now, you know, he's, he's saying these companies valued $110 million. I mean, it's, it's a great success story. It's a great climb that should inspire anybody, regardless of what they're going through to know that they can get back on top as long as they just stick with it and stay persistent and stay positive. And, you know, wherever you are right now isn't where you have to stay, I think is a big important thing. So we talk about new beginnings. We talk about his company. Uh, we talk about him sleeping in his car to growing his multi-million dollar business. Talk about him sharing stages with such great speakers as Tony Robbins and Les Brown. Um, he talks about mindset and mind shift, which is obviously important as an entrepreneur and as somebody who's in a deep, dark place to be able to pull themselves out. You have to shift your mind. So he talks about some of the little tweaks and things he does there that I think are um, a little bit different and important that are unique to him. Um, he talks about the 1%, obviously what makes them different and gives some really tactical advice to make you feel like you can take each step and slowly work towards being part of that 1% rather than just, you know, I was here, now I'm here. I think it's great how he breaks it down almost day by day to show you a little bit of, of what you need to do on a daily basis and talks about discipline, which, you know, again, discipline and consistency and mindset. If you haven't gotten it by now, you're going to see are, are a huge piece of anybody who's successful that's come on the show. I'm talking talk about taking advice and wasting time, which I love. We have a great conversation about this, which I think is hysterical. Talk about the value of coaching, why people refuse to ask for help and how much time and energy can save you. And then we talk about the victory lap and some of the things that he has done or some of the advice he gives for investors that are new and investors that are scaling up and some of the do's and don'ts in his opinion of what he's done and what he sees through his own investing and through his coaching program. So I appreciate everybody listening. There'll be a couple quick commercials in there. It's how we pay the bills. I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. We have some tremendous guests coming on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think you guys are going to be really impressed um, with some of the guests that are coming on and some of the, the information that gets shared. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's a great interview and um, I've done enough episodes now that I need to do a little bit of a disclaimer. So I've had many different real estate investor professionals and met different business people in general that have come on this show and they're, they're very big on what they do and it works for them. So I think that that is a very important thing. I'm, I'm never going to edit these on that level or, or silence anybody. However, the thing that I need to cover is that I was the person that anything I heard, you get excited about, I get excited about, and then I go, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. So somebody's, you know, Hey, we're doing single family. Great. I'm all on a single family. And then the next person you talk to, Hey man, I'm killing with commercial. I'll do single family. I'm like, man, I'm not wasting my time with single family. I'm going to commercial. Okay. Well, you know, we're only doing fixing flips because there's more money in fixing flips. All right, I'm going to do that. No, no, no. We don't do that. It's too much headaches, managing contractors. We're going to do wholesale. All right, I'm going to do that. So at this point, uh, I mean, I've had, people that are doing pay-per-click, people that are doing wholesaling, people that are doing cold calling, people that are doing texting, people that are doing REM, people that are doing single family, people that are doing multifamily, people that are doing land. And then I have people that hate land, hate multifamily, hate single family, hate texting, hate RBMs. They only deal with realtors. They never deal with realtors. They always go to meetups. They never go to meetups. So it's working for them. 
So what I'm, what I need to just make sure I always say is you need to make your own decisions on your investment and your strategies and just weigh out what works for you, what works for your time, what works for your budget. Because I will tell you out of everything that comes on when people say, I hate RBMs, they don't work for me. Or, you know, I, I, I only do RBMs. That's all that works for me. I only do direct mail. I, I never do direct mail. I have friends or guests or fellow investors that I work with in clubs or my, or uh, masterminds that are all making money doing every single one of those. Now they don't do all of those, but they'll do some of them, half of them, quarter of them, whatever it is. So my point is just because one guest says something's working for them or something isn't working for them or that they like something or that they don't like something doesn't mean that you abandon ship on your current business, your current business plan, your current business model. I know it tends to be you're always looking for the next thing or the easier thing, but at the end of the day, there's no secret sauce. Anybody that I know, whether they're doing no direct to seller marketing, all direct to seller marketing, no single family, all single family, no commercial, all commercial, they're working their butts off for it. They're putting their time in, they're learning. They had a learning curve and they're setting up standard business practices, um, SOPs, they're putting people in place. Like it's a business regardless. So again, you know, there's people that love real estate. There's people that hate real estate. There's people that love stocks. There's people that hate stocks. There's people that are opening pizza places. And there's other people that will tell you that opening a pizza place is nuts, but there's people that have become millionaires from selling pizza. There's people that become millionaires selling real estate, selling stocks, whatever it is. So I haven't taken everybody's courses that come on this show. I haven't done every strategy for everybody that comes on this show, but I know what's worked for me. I know what hasn't worked for me and I'll always try new things, but I won't burn the ship that I'm in and go abandon them. And if I can't focus on what the new thing is now, I'm trying to hold off on not learning it or changing it. I'm, I'm trying to stay the course and perfect and work on what I'm working on. And then when I get that automated or I've worked the bugs out, then I'll go, okay, now let me bring in a new channel. Let me work on direct mail. Let me jump into more, you know, land development. Let me go play around some stocks. Let me go do some cryptocurrencies. Another great, I could have somebody on here tomorrow talking about how they're a multi, multi-millionaire with Dogecoin. Cool. Awesome. I don't own any of that. And I don't really know a lot about crypto. I own it. I, I bought some crypto, not that specific coin, but, and I've made money on it, but I don't really know why I just got lucky and I held on for dear life, as they say. So um, you know, I'm not going to put somebody on here and then have the guests go, oh, I'm going to ditch real estate and go invest in crypto coins. It's, that's not the point of this show. So, um, after a hundred and, you know, 40, 50 recorded episodes, I was advised to make sure I, uh, I give a little bit of a disclaimer here. And just, again, you need to make your own real estate advice. This is all information. Any, any of the advice that's on here that you guys take action with, you need to do your research. You need to do your homework. You need to investigate your situation and their situation and see if you're a good fit for whatever the tactic is that's um or the exit strategy or whatever that's coming on this so hope you guys like this episode hope you guys like all the future episodes but there is some big guests coming on in the next uh, month or two that are going to be slowly getting released and it's going to be awesome and i'm excited and they all have different opinions and they all have different strategies and they all do different things but they all excel and bring their a game to what they do and that's the most important part stick with it bring your best become successful and um, and definitely diversify, but do it at the right time, at the right place with somebody that's the right fit for you and always do your homework. A-game podcast, Bryce McKinley coming on, Coach Sharp and REI results. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.
Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is a master negotiator. He is a real estate investor, wholesaler, brokerage owner. He has done over 8,000 deals. He's a former Fortune 500 business consultant for many companies, including Ford, Nissan, and ADT, among others. He's the founder of the REI Results Academy and the founder of Every House, which can be found on everyhouse.io. He is now globally recognized as one of the top five sales trainers for real estate investors. And he has an amazing story where he's lost tens of millions of to drugs and alcohol, and after suffering a personal tragedy, he's rebuilt himself to the success he is today. I'm excited to have you on here. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Bryce McKinley. Thank you for being here, sir. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate you, Nick. Definitely, man. So we were, we were talking a little bit before we started hitting record uh, about some of the, the similar people we've come across, but you have a, a really amazing story, and we have so many different ways that we can spend the next hour, but I would like to just give you a a little time to give a 30,000 foot view to the audience, a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate that. So my name is Bryce McKinley. Uh, Nick did a great job of introducing me. At the end of the day, you know, I, I'm an international keynote speaker. I get hired by Tony Robbins and Ty Lopez and Manny Lopez and Les Brown and Dr. Eric Thomas. The list just goes on and on. I get hired by those guys to come in and teach sales and persuasion to themselves their teams and their elite clients and students that they uh, have mentored. And so um, I, I just, I love helping people, Nick. And, and so 30,000 foot view after all of my accolades at the end of the day, man, I'm a dad and a husband and uh, a believer in Christ. And, and I just love people and I, I love helping people. And, but I haven't always been that person. You know, I grew up in a very cult-like religion and uh, at a young age, my parents started going through a separation at 10. And by 11, I was like hanging out with gangs and inner city Chicago housing projects and things of that nature. And I realized at a very young age that I had the uncanny ability to help people get what they want by having a conversation. And have I always used it for good? Nah, I can't say that I did, you know, uh, by the age of 17, I was facing two counts of manslaughter, tons of drug and criminal charges. And uh, thank God, no criminal felony convictions as of today. Uh, but uh, at 17, man, I was facing some hefty criminal charges. Uh, I was acquitted of and uh, my uncle grabbed me by my ear and said, you're going to come live with me. So he moved me to Davenport, Iowa. And uh, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? Like your, your uh, UFC fans and uh, people know why that's important. Like Davenport Bettendorf was like home of Matt Hughes and Tim Sylvia, all the greats in the UFC, right? And um, <clears throat> I, I ended up not knowing any of that at the time, but I ended up working for a car dealership that my uncle was managing. And I was detailing cars and I fell in love with the automotive industry. 
And so I begged and begged and begged my uncle. I didn't know anything about cars. I still don't know that much other than I can change my oil and change a tire. But um, I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a gearhead. I didn't know much about cars, but here I am washing cars. I knew I could sell. And I begged my uncle for an opportunity. And one cold, snowy afternoon in the middle of December, my uncle's like, here's your shot. If you can sell a car today, I'll put you on the team next week. Next week was my birthday, Christmas Eve, right? Sure enough, what I do, I pulled out a phone book. Yeah, we had phone books back then. Google wasn't around. And uh, pulled out a phone book, and I went to town, man. By the end of the day, I sold three cars. I was hooked. Ended up making like eight or nine grand that next week, and I was put on the team. And, and from there, it was just downhill. It was downhill. Uh, number one car salesman in the world for about 10 years straight. Um, shortly after that, I was recruited out of my dealership by Ford Motor Company, later Toyota, Honda, Nissan. Traveled the world teaching my seven steps to business and five steps to sales. And I, I was living the dream. I was living the life that everybody wants by pure way of, of, uh, of, um, just pure hard work, you know, and uh, sorry, my wife just messaged me. <laughs> no, you're totally fine, man. No worries. <laughs> she needs my banking information. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so at the end of the day, I, I, here I am, you know, 27, 28 years old. I'm living the dream. And uh, man, I had some tragedies. I ended up having a son that passed away. My wife ended up taking her life and her mom was like my Sunday school teacher growing up as a kid. So that was like everything to me. You know, I wasn't as emotionally attached to my son as she was because I was traveling and he was just a few months old uh, when he passed. But I was attached to her. And gosh, Nick, I know somebody listening to this right now. I just need some encouragement. Like this part of the story is not the encouragement. So hang tight and hold on because I lost my marbles. Almost $80 million in five companies, up my nose and in a bottle. I ended up meeting some crazy girl in Wisconsin and had a baby. I know, right? Like, what? Yeah, I had a baby. March, 2010, I sobered up. And uh, I'll never forget, I felt like I was able to get my life back together. A couple hundred grand still in the bank. And, and I was gonna do live, I was gonna do live. And little did I know, she had never really sobered up. One of my corporate uh, contracts that I had, I was working with Tyco Corporation, uh, moved me to Texas. And one Friday afternoon, I come home from work a little early. Uh, flight came in about an hour early. I got to the house a couple hours earlier than what uh, she thought. And she was passed out on the bed, pills everywhere, pills on the floor. And there's my son rolling around on the floor. And... Uh, Needless to say, I was pissed, I was scared, I was angry. I packed a bag, took my boy to a hotel, and on Monday morning, I'd fight, start the fight of my life for custody of my boy. And uh, over the next year, a little over a year, I would uh, lose what little bit I had left in the bank, ended up paying for her lawyer too, <laughs> and losing these contracts. And so here I am sleeping in my car, I'm homeless and I've got a baby boy. And uh, September 28, 2011 rolls around and I'll never forget. I wrote a letter to my son. I wrote a letter to my, my mom 
and just said I couldn't do it anymore. And what I meant by that was I was done. The same 40 cal that sits next to my bed tonight. It's never jammed before, never jammed since, but that night it jammed three times in my mouth. And uh, that was the moment that I realized that there's something greater outside of like us humans that's in control. And uh, after a long hard fought battle and arguing with what I thought was God and pissed off at the world, I was just gave him an ultimatum and I told him to show up. And boy did he ever. Over the next uh, three to six months, I would find a couple loopholes in real estate. I would find a one bedroom apartment. I would find the love of my life who I'm happily married to now. And uh, she took me when I had nothing. All that to say, I went from 32 bucks to my name to, we just had uh, an evaluation done about a week ago. We're at a hundred million dollar company and we're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. So too blessed to be stressed, my friend. That's, that's what I can say. That's an amazing story, man. A lot of, a lot of highs and lows, it literally like a movie, you know, it's the, the setback and the comeback and all that stuff, man. But, uh, I very, very much respect people like yourself who have come from a very down place and talk themselves back up out of that to make what they are. Because, you know, like we were talking a little bit prior to this, social media today really only paints a picture of the highlights. People yeah. don't see where it is. And I think that there's a misconception because of social media and everybody posting, whether they're real or not, what their wins are and not as much of, of the stuff that real success stories are made of is not a straight line to the top. It's major ups and downs and being able to navigate through them and still hit your goals, I think is exactly what this podcast represents. So you're the perfect guest for it. And I very much respect what you did and where you've come. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I like what you said about what social media is and how you and your buddy, what, what, was, what was it that you said? It's like brags and accolades or something like that. What did you say? Yeah, Damon Burton, we just had on it. And he was like, it's basically a, a series of uh, complaints and humble brags. That's yeah. people are either just doing one or the other. There's none of that actual in between. Yeah, and, and I love that. And, and it's interesting. I always challenge people that are like, oh, you don't know what it feels like. It's like, dude, go back on my timeline. Like, I was miserable nine years ago. Yeah. I wasn't whining, but I was making some positive changes. I was sharing people. I, was, I call it Doc the Journey, like hashtag Doc the Journey. Like, from where I was sleeping in my car to where I'm at now, you go back eight, nine years ago, and you'll see the crappy one-bedroom apartment that my son and I shared a bed in and, and slept on the floor most of the nights because I let him sleep in my bed, right? Like, that's real life. The problem that I find nowadays is like, and once I share this with you and your audience, like you guys that are listening to this, like once I share this, you'll never forget this again. And that is this, you already know what I'm about to say, but the mere fact that you're hearing it now and hearing it differently, it'll, it'll resonate next time you go into the grocery store. Next time you flip somebody off, honk, cut them off or honk your horn at somebody having a bad day. And that is this. By now, you know up until this point, you understand that we only live life one of two ways. And that's either we're being intentional or we're being reactionary. And so this whole thing like with social media, it, it's completely warped the brains of society because it's the right now. 
It's the, what do you got for me right now? It's like, go back on my wall nine years ago when I was sleeping in my car and I was like, hey, I need help. And nobody's helping me and I'm not complaining. And I wasn't then. But I've documented this journey and literally in nine years, I went from homeless sleeping in my car to now I get hired by some of the greatest minds in the world to help their teams grow and sell better, right? And so it's, it's the reactionary versus the, the intentional. You know, I always equate this, Nick, to going to the grocery store. We go to the grocery store, you know, wife, girlfriend, or friend is like, hey, go grab some milk and some Ritz crackers. We all know where the milk is. It's in the back of the store, right? <laughs> Nick, where's the Ritz crackers? Somewhere in the middle. Exactly. Somewhere <laughs> in the middle, four, six, or nine. And gosh forbid they're doing stock that day and they're over in the pharmacy department, right? But we all go in the grocery store, nine out of 10 of us, and we walk in and little Sally or little Johnny are stacking oranges or apples or whatever. They're like, hey, welcome to whatever, whatever. Can I help you? No, I'm good. We react. And we go get the milk and then we come back to the middle of the aisle and we're like, shit. <laughs> Where's the Ritz crackers? Where's Johnny? And we go to find Johnny and Johnny's nowhere to be found. Why? Because 10,000 other people told him basically and not these words that his life sucks. And he went back in the back and sat in his car and committed suicide. Or maybe he's just back smoking a cigarette because he don't want to talk to nobody. This is life. This is real life got to stop looking at being just reactionary and start being intentional when you do that you can change the world around you man i i love what you just said for many different reasons you touched on a couple of things that i could squirrel off and go on a whole other section with but one of them being being nice to everybody i think is such a an important thing like you just said you, you go into the store you might be having a bad day maybe that guy's having a bad day and you were the 10th person to be like i'm good and they're like you know what like I'm sick, you know, you, you just never know what's happening. But my my buddy, Billy Grazzi Day, who was in this band Biohazard, he's in a couple other bands now, Power Flow, a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. I, he's given me a lot of good advice. And and he was playing for, I mean, I, I went to Brazil with them and they, they were playing in front of like 16,000 people that don't even speak English, that were singing every word. And then you come home and all of a sudden, the, you know, the band's not doing so well. And there's 15 people at the local bar, you know? And he was like, man, what I learned is, be nice to everybody because the same people you see on the way up are the same people you're going to see on the way down. He's like, so I'm, I'm just nice to everybody. And I've seen his career do this over the time. And, and, you know, I think that's a really important thing is you really just never know what's going on in people's lives, what's going to be going on in yours. And like to parlay that Mark Evans, I remember saying we sat in a room and there was people that were, had no money and people that had millions and millions of dollars. And he was like, every one of you is a bad deal away from being broke again. So like, don't act like you're you're bulletproof. And because of that, like it's always like you never know like when something terrible like that could happen in life. So you never know, just treat everybody good, I, I think is, is a huge lesson there. But um, I went on a little bit of a tangent for what you did. You came through such a terrible personal tragedy. And I, I've seen many people give up for far less. For you being somebody that coaches people now. How important is mindset in general? And especially what are some of the things you did to help you give yourself that self-talk to put your bootstraps back on and, and start to crawl out of that hole? Because it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think 
you know, unfortunately, most people don't have somebody who's been in that spot to give them that real life advice and tell them like, I was literally there. This is how I got, I'm not asking you to do anything I didn't do. I've been through this. I came through this. You can too. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, the beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah. So it's, I think it, the answer to that is twofold. One, I don't like the word mindset. I, I think that when, when you hear the word mindset, it's like, this is the way you should be thinking. And if that's the case, you're not open to anything else. So I believe that we should always have a mind shift. And if we're open to a mind shift, then we have the availability and opportunity to go other places. Now, that could be worse than where you're at as well, but it also could be better. And so I like the term mind shift, number one. Number two, you know, I, I think about a time where I was speaking with Tom Billion. And Tom Bilyeu equated mind shift or mindset to AI, artificial intelligence. Think about this, right, Nick? Like, what happens when your computer crashes? Does it just shut down? No, it sits there and spins and it tries to load and it tries to figure out, right? So if we get to this, like, make a T intersection, and that's artificial intelligence, if we can think like artificial intelligence and process and shift and adapt, guess what? Then we can kick back on and keep going. And so if we have a mind shift and we think about our life as if we were artificial intelligence, then we have the ability to shift and adapt and move forward. Now, does that mean we can also go back? Sure. But if you leave yourself opportunity for that growth, whether it's positive or negative, the propensity of you moving forward and learning something that you won't do again is inevitable. And if that's the case, you're always going to grow. You know, I always say we don't go to opportunities, we grow to opportunities. And so a lot of us, you know, whether it's someone that's been in a similar situation to myself, maybe somebody that's been in worse, or somebody that's not been, we don't go to opportunities. The mere fact that you're listening to this podcast right now with Nick and I means that you're here for a reason. Because you don't go, you grow to opportunities. And so as I think about that, you know, I, I, yeah, those are, those are, that would be my answer. I had something else, but I lost it. It wasn't important. <laughs> it, it totally happens. I'm sure it'll pop back up. We can revisit it. But I, I think that that's completely, you know, there's no accident. I see, I talk to plenty of investors and just successful people across the board, and they all make that conscious mind shift, like you said, to focus on the opportunities instead of focusing on, on the problems and being solution-based, I think is a choice. And I think it makes all the difference in the world. And especially in a time right now when we're in COVID and people have had a, a tough year, I think addressing that specific issue is really important because, you know, aside from the financial stuff, I think the emotional 
part of the the long-term effects of this last year of being financially and emotionally in in a, a lockdown and all these problems happening i think it's really important to talk people out of that because they're, they're going to need that and people need some optimism they need something to look forward to and, and i think it's a it's a massive thing so you know I, I appreciate you sharing that and being an example there but i also think uh you put on your on your instagram which i thought was a really interesting quote 99 percent of people are convinced that they can't do great things and i thought that that was a uh, an important thing for people to listen to because again, Mark Evans always says, why not you? Why not now? And I look around and I, I've been around enough people right now, whether it's at a mastermind or talking on a podcast or going to Italy and just seeing all these great things that people do. And then, then seeing that you're standing on their gravestone, that everybody who's done something amazing was just a person like everybody else. So any reason that you're not going to do something extraordinary in your life is literally because you don't believe you can do that. So Talk a little bit about why you posted that and why you think that that's important, because I, I think it's extremely valuable. So full disclosure, I didn't post that. Somebody on my <laughs> team probably did. Uh, so they quoted that at some point. <laughs> but quoting that at some point and thinking about it now, you know, you look at society, right? Everybody looks at the 1% differently. Well, if the 1% is any different than you, why do they still put their shoes on the same way you and I both do, right? If the 1% is any different, why do they also have hair just like you and I? They bleed red. They use and spend the same money. They drive the same kind of cars. Maybe their house is a little nicer, but they still put gas in the same car. They still pay their electric bill or someone does it for them just like you. And if that's the case, the why not you? should really resonate because at the end of the day, the only thing that stops you from being part of the 99 to the 1% is 1%. So why don't you work on getting 1% better every single day? If you woke up at five o'clock, what's 1% better of that? Wake up at 4.58 or whatever that is, right? Like, Move that needle ever so slightly, and those little changes along the way pay big dividends at the end. The other side of that is, is you know, I believe that, and, and this is just a thought or a theory, right? Like, I don't, I, I love studying psychology. I don't agree with a lot of the psychosis and psychologists when it comes to diagnosing, however. I believe that you know, true discipline is not self-discipline, it's guided discipline. And we've lost that, Nick. We've lost good fathers and mothers that stand up for what's right instead of going with the norm. And so if that's the case and, and we stand up and we correct our children and we don't worry about getting arrested because we swat our kid upside the head because he said a swear <laughs> word or we whoop their butt because they stole something from the store and we want to take that back. Like, we need discipline, we need structure, and it boils down to discipline, expectation, and boundaries. And I believe if we could get those back in our society regularly, we'd have a lot more one percenters because the people at 1% have discipline, they know how to set expectations, and gosh, do they hold boundaries. Like, how many times have you wanted to go like meet a celebrity and you had to like get through security and get to the book signing? It's because there's a boundary there. They know their worth, and I think the reason like those three things are the most important are because of what's right inside of here. And if you can't see me and I'm pointing at my skull, like the stories that we tell ourselves, I mean, 
if you woke up every day and you're like, ah, I'm fat, you're gonna be fat. Ah, I guess I'm ugly, like, ah. You're gonna be ugly as shit. Like, excuse my language, I don't know, <laughs> can I cuss in your podcast? Yes, I believe in Jesus and I cuss for all you Christian folks out there. <laughs> Jesus cussed out the priest and he was kind of gangster. He turned water into wine. It made the party better. But uh, at the end of the day, like if that's the way that we have to be is like intentional or reactionary, we have to have discipline, expectations and boundaries. All of those things all start with the way that we think. And so I've got a tool, I call it RAQ, R-A-Q, repeat assign a feeling or an emotion, and then ask a question. You can use this at sales talk when you're negotiating deals. You can use this in purchasing things when you're talking to a salesperson. You can use this if you wanted your husband to do the dishes and your wife to do the laundry and the kids to pick up their toys. Repeat, assign a feeling or emotion, and then ask a question. But just imagine if you did this for yourself. You had a bad thought? Repeat it back out loud, assign a feeling or an emotion, and then ask yourself a question. So I'll, I'll use an example. Nick, do me a favor. Just throw out a random statement out into the universe. At Nick is fat. Nick is fat. <laughs> Gosh, that sounds frustrating. Why, are you, why do you feel you're fat? I love shamrock shakes and McRibs. Shamrock shakes and McRibs. Dude, that sounds exciting. That sounds like a <laughs> Patrick's Day waiting to happen. Is that your favorite place to go? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Before I go, yes. After I go, no. Why is it afterward? That sounds overwhelming. Yeah, afterwards, it uh, the shame of giving in to the, and you know, it doesn't make you feel good. You just want it. It's, uh, you know, like probably an addiction, like anything else. Now I want it, I want it. And then you have it, and you're like, why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? Uh, so you sit there and ask yourself over and over, why do you do that? That sounds frustrating. So why do you keep doing it? Because I'm a weak, fat little man, Bryce. Come on. <laughs> you, see, you see what I'm doing? Like, <laughs> you can challenge, dude, Shamrock Shakes. It's, you know what time it is. Like, they're the worst thing for you, but I'm in. Now that it's March, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you see what I did there, right? Like, you repeat what you say. You acknowledge and assign a feeling or an emotion and then you ask yourself a question. And if you can do that and you come up with an answer or a response, then why worry? And if you can't, why worry? Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. I like that. And it's like you said, at the end of the day, the discipline is, is a major thing. And that's for me, you know, for a lot of people, I think that's what it comes down to is you know what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. It's yeah. just figuring out how to justify why you are or not doing that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, back to what you were saying earlier, um, before we started recording, you were talking about when you were in Iowa and you, you're friends with, um, you know, Tim Sylvia, Matt Hughes, you were training at the, the all the military guys out there in Davenport, um, Robbie Lawler's from there, Jeremy Horn, like really, really great guys. But I never those, trained with them. No, no, I never trained with them. Friends with them, friends with them. Yeah. My, my sister dated Robbie for a little bit. I've seen a bunch of those boys come back before they were pros all bloodied up. But Yeah, yeah. But th <laughs> those guys all became legends in the sport and champions. And I think the same stuff you're saying, whether it's real estate, whether it's sales training or whether it's MMA, you're still going to find those same parallels between like when you go and you see what those guys are doing, they're training their butts off. They're showing discipline. They're showing 
Oh, you know, they, they have their patterns, they hold themselves accountable, like all those same things are the principles of success. It's not a secret, but it's like, why do people not do it? And, and they're masters at, at boundaries. Like yes. women yeah. throw themselves at them and they're just like, Meh. like, I've got a fight coming up. Now, some of them, but <laughs> <laughs> I know some of those guys didn't do very well with that. But at the same time, those boundaries, expectations, and disciplines are what made them who and what they became, you know? And that's with anything, not just a fighter. That's, that's wealth, that's knowledge, that's wisdom, that's everything. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. You also said something that caught my ear when you talked about the Ritz Crackers guy, you know, you said somebody walks into a, a supermarket and they don't really know where the thing is. And then somebody offers to help and they go, no, I got it. I think that that's crazy, but I've made so many mistakes that I eventually told myself, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, I don't have time to waste. I don't have money to waste. I don't have life to waste. I'm going to find a black belt in sales and real estate, jujitsu and whatever it is to help me shorten the curve. So I don't lose my butt because they've already done that. And somebody who, again, one of the biggest things that comes up on almost every podcast is people to find a balance between work and life. They're trying to find ways to make more time and make more money. Meanwhile, they'll spend 45 minutes walking around the store because they don't want to have the whatever's in their head. Oh, I'm not going to ask him. I'm just going to go walk around in circles. When you could take two seconds, ask somebody who knows exactly where it is and save yourself an hour of time and frustration when you're probably going to have to go back and ask him anyway. I don't know what it is about that, but I value coaching very, very much. And I'm always paying to learn more and do things faster. And I know you have um, a coaching program and you've helped thousands and thousands of students. Um, so I, I'd love to hear more about what your experience is on, on why people sometimes refuse to ask for help. Yeah, I love that. I love that question. And it's interesting because when I think about, you know, asking for help, like at a store, right? I just took my I took my son and we've got a we've got um, someone a foreign national that's also staying with us for a few months that we're hosting, and I took him to the store. They were you know, he's just like ah you know, and then my son's just like he's ten. He's running around touching everything, and I stopped him and I asked him I I, I asked them to reach out. We needed help. Well. That boy went that way. My boy went that way. And I went down this way. And we all literally got everything that quick. And I'm like, how'd you get stuff so quick? Oh, I just asked a lady. And I asked him. He's like, oh, I just asked a lady. And I think that the fear of asking for help comes from feeling inadequate. Like people have this bravado as if like you've got something to prove. Like it's freaking Ritz crackers. Or it's like... Do you want to take care of your family, your wife, and your life for the rest of your life? Like, why not ask? You know, and so we put up these walls. And what's really interesting is the other side of that, because so many fewer and fewer people are actually asking. Like, how many times have you asked for help, Nick, and you caught the person working at the store off guard? Like, <laughs> yeah, I can help you. It's like, they're not even used to being asked for help anymore because people are so in their own damn way and they actually light up or that first they're nervous, but then they're glad to help because people want to help people at the end of the day. And so, you know, going full circle back into like our coaching and our experience, we've been blessed that one of the things that we talk about is always asking better questions. 
There's not a wrong question, but there's better questions. There's better questions. And I believe that because of that, that's what sets us apart and it's different. And I believe that different's better than better. And so you could always ask better questions. Can you ask wrong questions? I think you can. But most people tend to think you can't ask a wrong question. So if that's the case, going with the majority, you can always ask better questions. So I love that, man. And you know, being somebody who I literally ask people questions all day on this. It's it's always interesting to see like how you can elicit a different response, which again ties into I know part of what you you teach is the personality types. And I think understanding personality types, which we used to teach a section of that. And people would kind of go, ah, this is when I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I'd be like, you're nuts. Because everything that you're going to learn here, one of the best skills you can learn is how to identify somebody's personality. So you can identify and know how to adjust your personality to get a better result or a better conversation with them. Because they think like, well, how do I change? Or how do I change that person? You're not going to change that person, but you can change yourself and learn how to communicate with that person better. And to me, that's been a massive life skill. So that, that's exactly what you're saying now. Maybe you go up to somebody and you're not getting the response you want. You could take a step back. Oh, you know what? This is that per- personality type. Let me adjust. Let me reframe it in a different way to try and get a better response. So talk a little bit about how you came across that for uh, teaching and identifying personality types. Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things that I learned in the corporate world when they're identifying applicants coming out of college is they they do different types of personality tests, right? There's the DISC, there's the Myers-Briggs, like there's so many different assessments out there. And it's interesting because some are more accurate than others. Some really just aren't. And they give like a horoscope sounding, mm-hmm. you know, anthem about the person but then when you start to look at those over time with experience you know I've hired and trained hundreds of thousands of people in the corporate world and now recently in real estate a few thousand people are still people like you've got introverts and extroverts and then you've got how they learn like audio visual audio kinesthetic right like auditorial like you have these types and then you have like the underlying baggage like I like to call it it's like are they dominant because they didn't have a dad and they had to feel like they had to step up or are they submissive because they had a dad that was just an a-hole that all they did was yell at them like all these different types and for me it's just experience right But I really got fascinated when uh, it was about five years ago, one of our acquisitions persons from my previous partnership, her dad was Richard Bandler, like the founder, co-creator of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. Her dad is the man that put NLP on the map and she was working for us. (laughs) Can you imagine like, Here I am, the leader of this organization, and I'm just like studying the way that this lady speaks and the way that she asks her questions. And she was an amazing salesperson. She still is. I had some different talents and experience and molded and modeled what she was doing with what I had just completely took a different trajectory, right? And then, of course, I, I, I got involved in asking more questions and things like that. But neuro-linguistic programming has probably been one of the biggest game changers for me just because of what it is. And it's you and I, 
you are NLP, right? The way that you smile, the way that you lean back or lean in or turn your head or maybe like squint your eyes, like all of those different factors, right? Make up the personality within, which is the map in which we interpret the world around us. But the crazy thing, and this is one of the NLP principles, is the map is not the territory. Like, if you and I both, like, run outside of our house and we're neighbors and there's rain coming down, well, when I see rain outside, I want to go jump in it. You may see rain as like, oh, I got to bring in the kids' toys. Like, there's so many different things. The territory and the map are two different worlds apart. And so it, going back to personalities, one of the things that's helped me, and I think that it'll help your audience as well, is just understanding that the map is not the territory. So if you're having a bad day, or maybe little Sally's having a bad day at the store or whatever, there's always another explanation. And that's how I summarize them, right? There's always another explanation. And if you can live as if there's always another explanation, you damn well deserve to put a smile on your face because maybe that guy's not an asshole when he cuts you off and honked at you. Maybe his wife is on his deathbed, you know, on her deathbed, and they just lost a son a year and a half prior. That was me. You know how many fingers I got flipped and honked at, and I had a, a ball thrown through my window when I was trying to get to the hospital because I cut somebody off? They all thought I was an asshole. Was I an asshole? I probably was at that point in my life. But not that day. The map is not the territory. So, yeah, neurolinguistic programming is the short answer, though. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I think that was a great answer. I appreciate it. Um, so touching on that, talk about RER results. What, what do you guys do? How did that come about? Yeah, I appreciate that. So I, uh, I found wholesaling real estate, you know, eight and a half years ago. And if you don't know what wholesaling real estate is, it's essentially helping distressed homeowners not distressed homes, I don't believe that, but sometimes, yes, uh, distressed homeowners, whether they're, you know, had somebody die, you know, debt, divorce, taxes, whatever, whatever, code violation, excuse me, help them sell their house at a discount price. And that paperwork, we then sell to an end buyer. So we do a wholesale assignment is what it is. So we put a house under contract and then we sell that paper to somebody that wouldn't maybe normally not have access to those types of deals or leads because they're over here swinging the hammer, flipping a house and they just don't have time to market to that, right? So that's what wholesaling is. I found wholesaling at a, at a library on a computer. I was looking for a job, I was homeless. I had just gotten into my one bedroom apartment, like around that time frame. And uh, with my sales skills and three YouTube videos, I got into this business. No money. I had 32 bucks to my name. And I started calling for sale by owners from Fizbo.com, Craigslist, Zillow, Redfin. I started calling them. In my first month, I contracted 23 houses. I didn't know that was a big deal back then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot, what do I do, Nick? Like, you know anybody? Like, you know anybody that does this? Like, I don't have the money to do it. So I started looking around and I found a company I was actually hiring for acquisitions persons, talked to them, networked with them, and ended up getting offered a job. 
And after meeting with them, I was like, dude, I can't work for nobody. Like, I'll just bulldoze this company over and copy it. Like, let's make me a partner. You know, I, I see my worth. I know my worth. Like, make me a partner and we'll do great things. They were kind of pissed. They called me back a week later. They're like, if you can do that again, we'll make you a minority partner. So two and a half, three months into the business, technically, but really my second full month in the business, um, I contracted 37 houses my second month. And they made me a partner. We closed like 90% of the 37, only nine of the 23 actually closed, but still nine deals my first month closed was a pretty big deal and um yeah man i fell in love with the with the vehicle you know and the money that i made in like two and a half months a couple hundred grand versus the 32 bucks i had i was like i can do this and uh, we grew that company to about 150 million dollar company two and a half years ago i was at a networking event my very first networking event in the nine years of being in business i went two years ago two and a half years ago and uh i found that in real estate like Nick, you and I both showed up in like our workout clothes. Like in real estate, <laughs> most of the guys, this is what I love about you. Like most of the guys, oh, I got to put on a collared shirt, but to put my polo on, talk about how big our stick is and how many deals we do. And I didn't like the whole vibe that I had at this real estate meetup. And I found out why. They're all doing one or two deals a year. The big guys are doing nine or 10 deals a month. Well, shit. That's a lot of work. Driving around for dollars. <clears throat> sending out direct mail, hoping that you get 1%. <clears throat> like sending out RVMs, like 50,000 RVMs, and maybe you get one deal. Like, <clears throat> and I just realized, like, they just don't get it. They just, they want the dream, but they're not willing to do what others want so they could have what they want. And uh, I was talking with this guy, I, I don't want to mention his name, but I was speaking with this gentleman and he's like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm an acquisitions manager. I wholesale houses. You know, I was trying, I wasn't trying to talk about myself. And he's like, well, how many deals do you do a year? I'm like, I don't know. My average is like 65 a month. This was, you know, two and a half years ago. And he's like, What? The next thing you know, just literally in the last three years, I've kind of blown up and I've caught hell from some of the gurus. Like, I don't care. Like, I've got a whole stack of checks over there and 8,000 plus HUDs. Like, I don't care to show that stuff. I'd rather show the results of the homeowners that I've helped out, you know, or maybe the thousand plus students with a hundred percent success rate that I've helped them leave their nine to five or get retire their mom or whatever, right? So that's, that's where REI results comes in because two and a half years ago, um, when I started like getting this notoriety and our company started getting this notoriety, it's like, man, we got to teach people this stuff. And my partners at the time, they just didn't want to, like, I'm still friends with them. I, I love them. I don't have anything bad to say about them, but they just didn't want to. They wanted to do their own thing, their own way. And I think they slept on the ship that sailed. And so I went to Jamaica. I did a speaking engagement. I came back and we parted ways. And we're actually doing a couple JV deals right now together. It's kind of funny and humorous to me because it's like they closed nine deals last month. And we closed about 10 times that. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? 
Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. Uh, yeah, so I formed REO Results. It's a wholesale company, and, and then we've got a couple of sister companies underneath there, the Academy, the Academy Inner Circle, and uh, we've coached now we've been coaching and, and speaking and traveling around the real estate space for a little over two and a half years. And uh, we also wholesale and buy, flip, hold um, between 60, 40 to 60, depending on the market, um, a month. But we're in going into market seven, eight, and nine right now. So, man, that is absolutely incredible. So, every house is complete. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Every house, how does every house tie into that? Is that a sister company or is that a different business? So it's completely different, but at the same time, they work well together. So uh, every house is really our marketing and branding arm. My partner, Kyle and I, we both had like parallel visions and he and his partners up until two years ago, were doing big things like him and his partners in 10 years flipped over like 5,000 houses. And so they were doing big things and it was all because of his marketing and his expertise on the marketing side, he's more the integrator, I'm the visionary. And uh, I had this dream, like, let me take this company and go worldwide, do deals nationwide from anywhere in the world and have students all over the world and then partner with them to build little branches all over, which then we can multi-purpose use for like Google My Business and all this other stuff, right? Like all this stuff going on. And he's like, dude, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> it was one of those kind of moments, right? And so he joined me in my coaching program because him and his partner had a coaching program. They were more granular than they were linear. And I was more linear than granule. And um, so he joined my coaching program. I joined, uh, we've both co-founded every house. And so it's just really a, a, a national global marketing arm so whether you're a realtor a plumber a roofer a wholesaler a flipper like we have leads literally like that we can turn it on and thousands of leads just in seconds and so it's it's a pretty sick uh, arm so that's awesome man i love the integration and i love when people are vertically building businesses that kind of tie in it's just the smartest thing to do it makes life so much easier man this is a uh, this is all good stuff man I, again i don't want to I don't want to take up your whole day. You've been very generous with your time, but I like to finish up with a handful of questions that we call the victory lap to kind of go through and, and summarize some things over there. So a few of them being that you have coached so many different investors and done so much yourself, what is something like a key characteristic or something you can attain or point out that separates those that are successful from those that are not? Mm, that's good. So I have this slogan, this saying, it's just my, it's one of my boundaries, right? 
It's I only work with people that are serious about working with me. Like that's the mentality that I wake up in every morning. I only work with people that are serious about working with me. And so if I see like hesitation and I dig in and ask little questions and it's really not me, it's them. It's like, I, I don't think it would be a good fit. So one is that boundary, right? Like I set that boundary from the very beginning. Like if we're going to work together, I'm going to expect this, this, and this. I set expectations and they're coachable. Uh, the other side of that is, is, you know, you, you can't teach people to be coachable. You can't teach people work ethic. And you can't teach people, you know, the, the willingness to, to be open and learn and grow. Like you just can't teach those three things. Those are things that just have to be inside of you. Can you help sharpen them, right? Like my hat, like, sure, you can help sharpen them and, and get them better. But unless they make a, an internal change and they allow someone else externally to hold their hand and hold them accountable, you just, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. You're fighting an uphill battle. So it's really... The two two part, right? The, the willingness to learn, the ability to be coached, and your work ethic. And then the other side is just being absolutely serious about the goals and expectations that we set and going out and hitting them together. So those are the types of people I like to work with. I love that, man. That's an absolutely fantastic answer. Um, so you, you're doing a ton of volume, but starting out with some of the newer investors, what are some of the things you would tell a new investor in real estate to focus on? And what's one or two common mistakes new investors make? Focus on your income producing activities. I think the, the, the biggest mistake that people make is they go down YouTube University <laughs> and they think that they got to go build a buyer's list and drive for dollars, even if they're driving for dollars on their Google Street View. Like, I think that those old ways of doing real estate are the dumbest, most un waste of time and waste of money and effort. Like, oh, it don't cost me anything to drive for dollars. What about the three hours till you get two properties and your gas that you spent? Like, people don't think about that stuff. Like, what about the five hours that you took away from your son? You could have been at a game, but you wanted to do it so bad that you spent on Saturday because you work a nine to five and Joe Schmo, whatever, YouTube university teacher told you to go drive for dollars and go to networking events. Nick, you know how many networking events I've been to? Five. <laughs> the first one I told you about, the next two I spoke at, one of my students spoke at one, and then my buddy Sean Whalen was speaking at one. I wanted to go hang out with him. I've been to five real estate meetups. They're the biggest waste of time. Now, if you've got a deal, go sell your deal. Otherwise, you're just getting bombarded by everybody that wants to blow up your inbox and send you their deals that aren't even their deals. That's, that's probably my sour taste for this industry while I'm trying to change. <laughs> so the, the quick answer is income-producing activities and don't waste your time doing all these other things that just make you feel good. Because those things that make you feel good aren't going to do shit for your bank. They're not going to do shit for your family. They're not going to do anything for your bottom line other than just give you more information. And more information doesn't mean that it's good. Doesn't mean that it's good. Go take action. I think my son said it best. Uh, the gun that killed the most people was the gunner. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this meetup. I'm going to go hang some signs. I'm going to, going to, going to. Just go out there and take action. You know, when I was sleeping in my car, 
Like you need motivated sellers, go practice your script on for sale by owners. You're going to get your ass handed to you, but they're motivated sellers. That's exactly who you need to be talking to. Not Tom that's done one deal in 10 years at the real estate meetup or the 30 realtors that want to get into the business at the real estate meetup that all they want to do is network and send you off market real retail deals. Like that's the way I look at it. So income producing activities and don't waste your time doing anything other than that. So great answer, man. And uh, I actually met Sean Whalen. He, he uh, opened up at one of Mark Evans events and, and that guy set quite a tone for that first hour, man. Yeah. yeah. He's a stud, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he bought the heat for sure. Um, next question is, do you have a favorite book? Hands down, my favorite book is the Bible. Okay, fair. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, business books, I could go on for days. It just depends on what you want, right? Anything by Oren Clef, like pitch anything, pitch perfect. I love sales books. I've read them all a thousand times. My book is going to be the my favorite. It's going to be the best hands down book out there. That's why those guys hire me. Um, I'm actually writing it right now. Finally, I've been convinced and that it's a good use of my time. I haven't really seen the ROI on it yet, but I'm writing my own book. Um, I can't stress enough. If you don't know marketing, like go study the masters, go study, um, you know, like Mark Evans, DM, like go study Russell Brunson, go study like the Frank Kearns, read their books, watch their webinars. It, they're just genius level marketing and then salespeople. Like, I mean, go, just go study the person that's the master. And if they've got a book, read that. I really love uh, the book Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. I, I highly recommend anybody getting into business to read that. It kind of goes back to what Nick and I, what you and I were talking about earlier about being nice. Like, there's two people in this life, like reactionary or intentional, right? Like the type of type of people that we act or show up as. But in business, there's diminishers and there's multipliers. And you can imagine what they mean. Like, do you walk in and like bitch and whine at the office while you're trying to start your day job, your daydream? Like, you're probably a diminisher. If you walk in and like tell your wife to go do something before you even ask her how her day was, you're probably a diminisher. Go read that book. It'll change your life. Yeah. Multipliers awesome. by Liz Wiseman. It's a good one. Awesome. If you had a time machine, knowing what you know now in life and business, if you could go back and give Bryce McKinley advice, what advice would you give a younger you today? Oh, man. I, I would have to just say trust the process. I would go back and tell myself at any point in the game, just trust the process. Because you don't have any control over what's about to happen. You only have control over what's going to happen or what's happening right now. So just be present and trust the process. Because I wouldn't be where I am today had I not been through all those valleys. But from mountaintop to mountaintop, you're going to have to go through some valleys. And, and uh, the other thing I would say to myself is, and just shine your light, brother. Just shine your light. Because if you don't, people are going to get lost in the darkness. And the brighter your light shines, the more shadows you can expose. That's awesome, man. I love that. Um, last question before we kind of wrap up here. I know you talked about marketing uh, and going into you're about to open. I think you said market seven, eight, and nine. It's a question I get asked constantly is, 
what are some things you look into to pick a good market to invest in? Yeah, that's a great question. So I do things a little differently. Um, I, as I said earlier, I, like, I believe that difference better than better. I, I won't touch a market that's under uh, 250,000, but I also want, so it just depends on what you're looking for, I guess. So like me wholesaling, I don't want anything that's not Metro, like in the wholesale space, that's not Metro, uh, that has less than 750 to 800,000 people, because that gives me a pretty good, good pool of people that somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to get divorced. Somebody's going to be behind on their taxes, right? Like that gives me a pretty good uh, pool of people. And then, you know, for me at this stage in the game, I'm really going like where, where where there's diminishing value and so like markets for i'll just use this for, for example this is you know evergreen i'm sure but as of march of 2021 you've got you know taxes going through the roof the economy is about to crash and yet the dollar for dollar per square foot like that's what i'm looking at right so like California, for example, a 1200 square foot house in like a metro area might be four or 500,000. But for four or 500,000 in Dallas, I can get like five or six or 7,000 square foot. So I'm comparing markets, right? And when this, when I start to see this, this crash, like what I'm seeing in, in just the numbers, right? We don't have time to go into the trends and what's going on right now in the economy. But when I start to see these trends, like I go where everybody leaves. So we're going back into California right now. We're buying up everything right now that we can in California and on the East Coast and in Florida, because what's gonna happen when the economy's good? People can't go back to California and Florida and the East Coast, right? So that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. On the other side of that one, like the economy is going really well, then I'll look inward, right? To like, you know, maybe some of the Midwest cities like Chicago, Kansas City, you know, major trade ports like Chicago are completely different though from like a Kansas City or a St. Louis. Like they're always going to be thriving. It's just at what point in the game, right? So right now we're doing a lot of like commercial stuff. So it really just depends on where you're at in the game. Um, I'm partnered with Ty Lopez and Jerome Maldonado working on some things, trying to learn the commercial stuff and buying some malls and hotels and stuff like that with those guys. And uh, that's a completely different trend. Trying to learn that, completely different. So when I go into a market for wholesale, I'm looking for you know no less than 750000 with multiple uh, multiple suburbs that are no less than 250,000. So they need three to five suburbs that have 250,000 or greater for me to go into that market. It's just not a good use of my time to go back to Davenport, Iowa, right? <laughs> like there, there's deals to be done, but to spend all my time focused on a, on a area like that, that might yield 20 or 30 deals a year just isn't a good use of my time. I love that, man. That, that's a great answer with a ton of value in there. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, finally, man, talk about you. How do people find you? How do people work with you? What's the best ways to contact you? How can you help people? Yeah, man, I appreciate that. So um, my name is Bryce McKinley, B-R-Y-C-E, McKinley, M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, not really. 
I'm still <laughs> learning that. Uh, Clubhouse, I've got uh, a room on Clubhouse. If you go to at Bryce McKinley, um, you can follow me there. I highly recommend if you're not on Clubhouse, get an iPhone. I went out and bought one just for the for the app. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, you can search my name, Google my name. But uh, I would say if you're looking to coach with my team or I, um, shoot us a message, shoot us an email and go to reiresultsacademy.com. We're about to open the doors and change this industry with the software that we've developed and the app that we have coming out and things like that. And if you've got deals, send them to us, everyhouse.io. Awesome, man. I love that. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Man, I, whenever I hear final thoughts, I just think there's always another explanation. <laughs> so it goes back to what I said earlier. If you live life as if there's always another explanation, you can get so much more out of life. There's a NLP principle that says um, the most flexible element in the room always has the most control. Be an element. Get on the element. Be an element and be water. Like like they said, right? Like be water. <laughs> um, but yeah, live life as if there's another explanation. And uh, when someone pisses you off and you think that there's another explanation, there might just be. And if that's the case, you can live a happier life. So. I love that, man. I think that you're a, a huge inspiration for what you've come through and what you've built. Your personal resume is extremely impressive and your professional resume and the amount of deals you're doing, the amount of market you're in, the stuff you've put together is extremely impressive. Uh, I have nothing but respect for you. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciate reaching out. And to echo what you just said, you and I connected initially on Clubhouse. Um, so I, I do think that there's some really great connections to be there and you've been kind enough to share your time and share your value. I appreciate it very much, man. Thank you for coming on. I hope you had a great week. It was my turn. It's uh, my pleasure, Nick. I appreciate you and, and the time we had together for sure. Definitely, man. Looking forward to it. Have a great day.